Well, if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to John chapter 1 as we continue to worship our awesome God through the preaching of his word. My name is Pastor Nate, and if you're visiting here, it's great to see you today. And uh, I would love to talk to you after the service if you're here. But as we continue on in our sermon series, let me ask you this question as we look into the Gospel of John. What are some of the problems we face in our world today? We have a lot of them, right? Uh, It seems endless. You're you're all wearing masks. That's that's one. Um, You're all separated by two meters. That's another. But then there's ones that are even more complicated and more serious. We have political turmoil throughout the world, including in our own sphere of this world. We have brothers and sisters throughout this world who are suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. We have people who are made in the image of God, who are treated not as the image of God. We have preborn babies that aren't treated as created in the image of God. We have starvation, we have education needs, we have uh, war, injustice of all sorts of types. So let me ask you this question again. What is the greatest problem we face in our world today, especially when we can turn on the news and have an endless amount of concern that, is being, that we are being bombarded with? What is the greatest problem? Tim Chester put it this way about what is the greatest problem. Here's how to save the planet, he says. God needs to restore our humanity, break the power of the devil, free us from our fear of death, and atone for our sins. That is what he has done in the person of Christ. That's exactly what the Gospel of John is talking about. That's what he, John the Baptist, that we are going to be talking about today is talking about. He is pointing people to the true light of the world, the only one who can actually save the planet. We live in a world where we can put all sorts of hopes and trusts in other things, other systems, other, you know, we need to stop driving cars in order to change the climate change. We need to uh, pour more money into social programs in order to fix all of the racism. The problem is that those are all heart issues. And the only one that can change a heart is Christ. So the answer is, again, the question is, is what is the greatest problem we face in this world? And that's what John, in John chapter 1, talks about. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them up. Hopefully you're there already. And if you don't have a Bible, we have them, I was about to say, in the pew in front of you. Uh, they're, They're in the back, but please pick one up. Starvation, racism, climate change, lack of education, war, and justice are all legitimate concerns, and Christians should care about them. Do not hear me not say that. God himself commands us to love one another. And we should also have a proper sense of self-respect and dignity ourselves in light of who Christ is and our identity being found in him. But none of these is the greatest problem of the world. The true problem is that we are all alienated from God because of our sin. We're all separated from him. We forget this very important detail about how God has revealed himself in the Bible, in the Holy Scriptures. God's primary characteristic is that God is holy. 
And the guilt of our sin has placed us under just condemnation. But also the power of sin works evil throughout our lives so that John in his other letter in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. If God's condemning just judgment and the insidious effects of sin are our greatest problem, the answer to those problems is simple. It's Jesus. The Savior whom God has sent as light to this dark, darkened world. One of the most popular verses in the, in the Bible that Pastor Matt talked about as we were singing these, these songs that are pointing our eyes up to Christ was, For God so loved the world that he gave us his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I'm very thankful that Pastor Matt didn't stop there, because you've read verse 17 and 18, which are we always forget those ones. Verse 18 comes along and says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is why our greatest need is to believe that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins. Our greatest problem is the need of a Savior. And John the Baptist is a witness to the light of the world who is the solution to our greatest problem. John's whole purpose, John the Baptist's whole purpose in his life is to reflect the light of the world to the world to show them the answer to their greatest need. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in chapter 1 of John, verses 6, all the way down to verse 9 it says this the word of the lord says this there was a man sent from god whose name was john this is when it's going to get confusing in my preaching and i'm hopefully i'll do a good job at discerning which john i'm talking about but there was a man sent from god whose name was john he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light the true light in verse 9, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as we continue to worship you through the opening of your word, God, I pray that you, at the end of the day, would be glorified. Father, there's no possible way that I can make this turn out well on my own. But God, I want to preach so that you are glorified. And I want to speak of you and praise you and praise your name. Lord, this isn't a time for us to just sit and listen, but a time for us to join in worshiping who you are. And although, Lord, I can't make this turn out well, won't you turn this, make this turn out well? So God, by your spirit, help me to preach the sermon with what is needed, with the appropriate affection and power. Use this sermon, God, to bring glory to your name. Oh, will you bring joy to your people? And God, will you not call people to yourself? And amen. As we continue on in verses 6 to 7, we see that the witness of John the Baptist. In verse 6, it comes along and it says this, There was a man sent from God. It's really neat. The first time we're introduced to John the Baptist, when, when John uh, introduces us to, I'm going to call him the Baptist. Okay, there we go. The Baptist. When John introduces the Baptist, what do we see about who the Baptist is? We see that he, he didn't come on his own. 
He was sent. So when a Jewish person is first reading this, as, as they're reading the gospel according to John for the first time, the images of Old Testament prophets and Moses from, from the Old Testament are flashing into their mind. And John was sent not, sorry, John the Baptist was sent not for the sake of Jesus, but for the sake, for our sake, so that we may hear his witness and believe. Jesus says of this of himself in John chapter 5, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. John comes from God for our benefit. As he says in verse 7, he came as a witness. And what does John the Baptist come to do? John is obedient to what God has called him to. God has commissioned him, and he, he does exactly what he is called to do. Anyone who is a Christian is indirectly, has to be indirectly thankful and dependent on John the Baptist's witness of the light of the world. He was sent as a witness. Aren't we not thankful to all of those people who were faithful in telling us the good news of Jesus Christ? Now think about it. Think about it. Maybe, maybe God called you when you were older and adults through a friend or half-assedly stepping into a church one day. You heard the gospel. Maybe it was a faithful Sunday school teacher that you grew up with. Maybe it was your parents. John the Baptist was called to be a witness. And what does a witness do? Witnesses are essential in establishing any claim to be fact. Right? When, we, when we watch the news, what does a news, what does a, what does a journalist do? When an event happens, they go and they find a witness to the event, and then they interview him so that we can have that, 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 that credible witness for us to testify of these events. And out of that, we become morally bound to accept it as true. This is exactly what is happening in the Gospel of John. John pres presents us with a witness to Christ. So morally, we are it constrains us to believe. And what did he witness about as he continues on? To bear witness about the life. To proclaim simply who Jesus is. I think we struggle with this ourselves. See, John came to bear witness about Jesus as God has shown himself to be not what he feels he is. And Jesus said about John, and again in John chapter 5, verse 35, he was a burning and shining lamp. And through his witness, through the Baptist's witness, many of, of John's disciples went to become Jesus' disciples. And John the Baptist came as one who testifies. What he testifies to was the light, the light that is the light of men that we talked about last week in verse 4, which, is, which the darkness will never comprehend nor ever come. This is why I love uh, the song, Is He Worthy? Because it clearly talks about this. Do you not feel that the world is dark? Every day. But we have a Savior who is the light and the darkness will never overcome. And what was the purpose of his witness? And as he continues on, that all might believe through him. See, how can we believe unless we know who we are believing in? 
If Jesus Christ is the hope of the nations, if Jesus Christ is, is the light in the darkness, if Jesus Christ is the one who, who, who is the solution to the problem of all the darkness that is in our world that you may feel in your own life, then we must know who Jesus is in order to believe, right? That all might believe. So John, throughout his gospel, gives us eight ways that our witness to who Jesus is. In John 8, 18, we see that Jesus is the witness of God the Father. We see also in John 8 that Jesus is the witness to himself. We see in John 10 that Jesus' works, uh, Jesus's work points to God the Father. In John 5, we see the Old Testament gives prophecies that Jesus fulfills. We see that one of the witnesses actually points to John the Baptist would prepare the way for Jesus. Another witness is the many men and women who personally encounter Jesus. You know, I think of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. The other witness is Jesus' disciples who bear witness. But also the last witness we see about Jesus throughout John is in John chapter 15, which is the witness of the Holy Spirit. All of these witnesses that John points out, that the Baptist will point out, are, are, that, John Baptist, sorry, that John the Baptist was to bear witness are, are given for this reason that all might believe. See, the outcome of those who hear the testimony of John the Baptist and those who are being stirred by the Holy Spirit is that they will believe in what is happening, that Jesus is the true light, that anyone who believes that Jesus died for the sins and rose again has eternal life. That belief is not in any of our ideas of who Jesus is. There's a lot of people who believe in Jesus, who say they believe in Jesus. But what John the Baptist is trying to get us to believe and what he is a witness of is Jesus as he has revealed himself in his word. But how Jesus shows himself in his word. The Holy Spirit uses John the Baptist's faithful witness of, of Jesus to call people to a saving faith. And John the Baptist was a candle, not the light itself. As Christians, we are called the light of the world. But not as light itself, but as members of Christ who is the light. We borrow light from him, just as John borrowed or reflected the light of Christ to the world. And J.C. Ryle put it this way, Christ alone is the great sun and foundation of all light, the light itself. So what does a candle do? A candle isn't the light itself, right? Like, if, you're, if, if the lights go out and the power goes out and you need a candle, you know, you can walk all day long around the house with a candle, but it's not going to do anything unless it's lit. It carries the light. It carries the light into the darkness of the rooms to bring light into the darkness. John the Baptist was a candle. He brought a testimony to the light of the world so that anyone who believes the light of the world will be saved. Are you Christian? being a candle in the light of the world? Are you the one who is carrying the light into the darkness, into your classes, into your workplaces, into your neighborhood? Are you reflecting Jesus Christ as he has revealed himself in his word? Because John the Baptist came for a sole purpose, and his sole purpose was to be a witness to the light of the world. 
And we're thankful for men and women who did that for us. Now we go out and reflect it. You know, as a pastor, I am not a priest. I'm not a mediator between God and man. I'm not an agent into whose hands people may commit their soul and carry on their religion by duty. I am a witness. I am intended to bear testimony of God's truth and and especially to the great truth that Christ is the only Savior and the light of the world. That's my job. My job isn't to open up this holy book and to think, come, out, come out with things that I think it says. My job is to open up this holy word and to declare who God is as he has revealed himself in his word. And as a Christian, you are intended to bear the same testimony. As Jesus was sent into this world, we are sent into this world to bear witness of him who is the Savior of the world. All day long, all day long, we could argue about all the steps that we need to do that should be taken in order to make this broken world fixed. We could do it all day long. We could argue politics all day long. But the answer to the broken world is the healing of hearts, and only Jesus can do that. And we have to do the full thing, not half of it. In verse 8, we see the witness of faithful Christians. As, as we continue, as, as, as the Gospel of John begins to point to more of a picture of John the Baptist, in verse 8, he says, He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. There could have been an issue where John the Baptist's followers thought that he was the light. So John, who wrote this gospel, wants to fix this. And that's what, exactly what he does. John says that, the, that John the Baptist relates to Jesus the way the moon relates to the sun. He was not the light, he says, but came to bear witness about the light. The point is that the light to whom the prophet points is Jesus. Everything about him. You and I, we often uh, get stuck in this too. We put our hope in something else, but, but the one who is truly the light of the world, we think that that job or that person or that degree is what's going to make it all work out well. And it might make it turn out well. It might. But we live in a world that puts hope in people and things to make things right. And we say to yourself, they will set things right. And we'll look up the self-help, group, self-help books and think of all the ten steps to make it all better. But it's a false hope. Systems, people of this world are not the lights. At best, they can reflect the true light, but they're not the light. And John the Baptist's whole purpose was, was the, based around God's commission to be a witness to the one and only light of the world, to point people to the light of the world. Three things come out of what it means to be a witness as a Christian here. The first one is that our witness is about Christ and Christ alone. Just as John the Baptist's witness in this planet was all about pointing people to Jesus, I think about how Jesus is coming down a road, and John the Baptist declares, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We tell people, 
what the early church enshrined in the Apostles' Creed, that, Christ, that Jesus is God's only Son and our Lord, that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried, and descended into Hades, but in, on the third day rose to resurrection life, that he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and that from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Simply put, we say that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again. That is what the Christian witness is. Our Christian witness needs to be about Christ and Christ alone. Our witness tells the world their greatest problem. But our witness tells the world of the only solution. We tell both the problem and the solution. We say that, look, you're a sinner. You're in desperate need of of a Savior. You have sinned against a holy God. You are separated from Him. There's no amount of good works that's going to make you right before him. But Jesus Christ is the solution. And he is the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior, who steps down from his throne to pay the price for our sin and rebellion that we cannot possibly pay ourselves so that anyone who repents and believes will have eternal life, will be with God forever. There's this great quote here. It says this, We are meant to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and to tell them he is the son of God, that he has come into this world in order to save men and women. We are meant to tell men exactly why the world is as it is. We are meant to tell them about the sin in the human heart and that nobody and nothing can deal with it save the son of God. We are very ready to talk about our doctors, right? We'll talk about our doctors all day long and all the great things and all the great amazing drugs that they gave us and all that stuff to make us better. And to praise the men who cured us when so many failed. We talk about some business which is better than others or about films and plays and actors and actresses and a thousand and one other things. We're always glorifying people. The world is full of it. And the Christian is meant to be praising and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. That's from Martin Lloyd-Jones. We see something here. John the Baptist didn't talk about his experience. You notice this? Whenever we look at John the Baptist, even in these three verses, he doesn't talk about his own experiences or what he felt about who God is. He's talked about Jesus. When you and I tell other people, let us just simply point people to Jesus. It really makes our witness a lot easier if we just keep pointing people to Jesus. It means that I don't have to come up with the next greatest argument. I just need to know who Jesus is and keep pointing to him. The second thing that we see about it is it matters how we are a witness. In verse 8 it says, He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. It is important for us to lead lives that will commend our, our witness to Christ. But our testimony is never based on what good people we are or what we ourselves have to offer non-Christians. Our 
witness has to be based upon Christ. That's what we talked about in the first point. But also that it doesn't matter how we live. Our witness isn't about ourselves, but what only Christ could do in our lives. He is the only one that can bring life when there was no life. There is a tension that you need to hold. While our experience might, be, might commend Christianity, it does not, our witness must be centered not on our own experiences, but on Christ and Christ alone. But we also see this. Whenever a Christian layman or minister or writer, this quote says, teacher or whoever it might be, gets to thinking that there is something important about him, he or she will always cease to be an effective as a Christian witness. You ever think about that? That the more we puff ourselves up, the more we talk about how we are, it, just, it, it, it takes glory away from God. No longer are we reflecting him, but we're reflecting ourselves. And let's face it, as, as Kevin so well pointed out, that not even Pastor Matt is perfect. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> we need to be pointing ourselves and reflecting the one who is. May our witness bear Christ and Christ alone. May I decrease and may he increase. May my life reflect a life that has been changed, a life that has had a heart transplant. The only way for anybody to gain what I have is not by admiring me, but by believing in Jesus. So let us point to that. The third is that there's a goal and a faithful witness that we see in John the Baptist. One commentator put it this way, it is possible for a person to become so mechanical in his witness that he can go through all of the motions of witnessing without actually looking at praying for the response to Christ in faith by another person. If we could remember this, we would find witnessing exciting and we would learn that winning the argument often becomes far less important than winning the person to the Lord. Since our goal is actually to, uh, to persuade unbelievers and win over, our goal is not to persuade unbelievers and to win them over, but to reflect what Christ has done and who he is and what he has done for us. The faithful witness is to point to the true light. And that's what John the Baptist does. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. He was not the light himself, but came to bear witness about the light. As we continue on verse 9, we see the true light, which is an interesting passage. It says this, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. It's a tricky passage. You can read this when taking it out of context and think that uh, everyone has the same opportunity or everyone can be saved. But the context of John's gospel in, in 1 verse 9 does not support this idea that somehow uh, God bestows a little bit of grace upon someone enough so that they may believe. It's the idea that by coming to Jesus... Uh, that, sorry, it's the idea that by his coming, Jesus has given light to everyone in the sense of somehow lifting them out of, of darkness and light to have the opportunity to believe. 
is, is this idea that affirms that work is done in the sinner, but it denies the, that this idea that grace is guaranteed. We see in Philippians 1 verse 16, or 1 verse 6, we see grace assured because God will, will, God will perfectly finish what he has started. That idea that somehow Jesus lifts a person ever so slightly out of our, our deadness so that they are able to believe doesn't light up with passages like in 1 John 5 verse 1, which says that the, the, that the cause of a person's believing in Jesus is that they must be born again. See, the response is this, the true light which gives light to everyone who comes into the world. When Christ comes into the world, he sheds lights. And as we talked about last week, there's two responses to when the light is shed, right? You could be like a cockroach. And you can scurry into the, the cracks of your... And if you have cockroaches in your house, you need to take care of that. But you could, you could scurry into the cracks and the crannies. You run away from the light. Or you could be like the other insects that run into the light. But Christ comes and he, sh- and he sheds light onto all people. But the point is this, that, that in order for someone to be attracted to the light, there needs to be a change in their hearts. God doesn't just start something and not finish it, as Philippians says. He starts something and then he finishes it. The good work which he begun in you, he will finish. That is the truth. That is the fact that the Bible says. So when John comes along and he says, the true light which gives light to everyone has come into the world, he's not saying that God somehow elevates someone a little bit and kind of gives them like a little bit of a, 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 like, think about it this way. It's like if you uh, have a heart attack and and you are pronounced dead on the scene. And then they bring you into the hospital because they kind of got your heart pumping again. Okay? So you're hooked up to all of that life support stuff. But you need a new heart because you got like four clogged arteries, which means you need to eat less McDonald's. And you're dead there and you're lying. But then suddenly the doctors did some miraculous thing where they kind of bring you partially alive, and then you can do heart surgery on yourself to give you a new heart. You see how ridiculous that is? It doesn't work. Jesus comes along, and he gives us a new heart in order for us to believe. See, the light exposes. It exposes our need. But also shows, but God comes and he, and, he, and, he, and he brings us and he gives us a heart to believe. He gives us a new heart. The, word, the world here has not been lifted out of darkness and, and, and trespasses and sin to perceive this reality. Rather, the world is so darkened within itself that it does not recognize the light, even though the world was made by the very light. And that's what John is talking about here. The Bible emphasizes the natural man's deadness in sin and his need of a new heart and concludes that man does not need to be made better or partially alive in order to believe, but rather that he needs to be resurrected. He needs a heart transplant. See, there's no argument, when I think about it this way, there is no argument that can argue someone into the kingdom of God. But God uses the faithful witness 
of the light of the world that the Holy Spirit ends up using to call people to himself. And God gives them a new heart in order for them to believe. Jesus is the true light who brings new birth to those who are resting in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Our job is to reflect the light who is able to bring life and light into darkness and death. So what, you may ask yourself. See, as I said at the beginning, our greatest problem is this, that we need a Savior. Our world's greatest problem is that they need a Savior. He is the light of the world. He is the one that gives light in the darkness. He is the one who gives hope when there is no hope. He is the one that gives joy and peace and contentment. He alone is a mediator between God and man. He alone is the Savior of the world. And you, O Christian, you are sent into this world to reflect the light of Christ. That's your job. And you know what's a beautiful thing? I'm not perfect, and neither are you. So let's get this out of the way, right? which means that you have no ability to give a perfect witness. Do you ever think about that? My neighbors still hear me yelling at my kids, right? I'm sure many of you can think of stories of how the pastor is not perfect too. (laughs) Somebody laughed. (laughs) There's many, many situations. I'm not perfect, neither are you. But you know what's an amazing thing? Since my witness isn't what is dependent upon someone being a Christian or not, right? God simply calls me to be faithful. And he uses me as a broken mirror to reflect the perfect light. That's an amazing thing. So I sit there and I talk to my neighbors who probably have heard me yelling at my kids or brushing off something or letting my lawn grow a little long or, you know, the list goes on. Not raking my leaves. My neighbor did it yesterday. They see that. But God still used, and I seek to be a better person because of the grace that God has poured out in my life. I I desire to live a holy life because of what God has done for me. So don't hear me say that you get to just coast through life without growing. If If you are justified, you will be sanctified. You will grow in Christ. You will bear fruit. It's not an option. That's what happens. But God takes my imperfect witness, my faithful witness, and as, he, as I talk to my neighbor, opens doors for me to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. That there is a holy God. That you, my neighbor, have sinned against this God, just like I have. Let's go through the list of the Ten Commandments. But here's the great and amazing thing, that even though God would be just to throw me into hell, he sends his son Jesus Christ to die on my behalf, to pay the price, the debt that I could not pay, because again, I'm the dead guy bloated on the bottom of the ocean, right? He paid the price. He gave me new life. He gave me a new heart that enables me to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. This is who Jesus is. He is the light 
in this dark world. Yes, this world, it, it sucks, lack of a better word. It's awful. It seems like nothing ever turns out right. But Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He gives hope. So God takes my broken witness and he uses that somehow to declare who he is, the need of a savior, and that there is a savior, and that in the midst of all of the mess that this world has to offer, with all of its problems, he is the solution to that problem. You, O Christian, are sent into this world to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? Three ways. First, by knowing the gospel and the one it talks about. Seems pretty straightforward. We need to know the gospel. We need to work on knowing it and cherish it. We look, if, if you're a Christian, you have a, a keen awareness of your sin and that Jesus paid the price for that sin and we get to go and tell other people about that. That Christ died for our sins and rose again. The second one is this. By saying the gospel and talking about the one it talks about. You can't just say, uh, I'm just going to be a good person. There's lots of good people out there. But it doesn't mean that they're reflecting the one who can save. We are a sent people. We don't get to just hear an amazingly fantastic sermon every Sunday. Yes, yeah, someone's not in their heads. We don't, le- we don't get to just leave it at that. We are sent out. We are a sent people to go and declare the good news of Jesus Christ that we are reminded about, hopefully, every Sunday as we sing these songs, as we read his word, as we preach his word. And that's why we offer programs like the Bible Conversation Class that helps, us, it helps equip us to better have conversations with people because it's scary. And sometimes I just don't know how to do it. And that's why we're thankful for partners like the, goss- the Cross Currents. But the third way is this, by living out the gospel. The fact is, is that we are, uh, that there are many social issues. And whatever issue is important to you, you are called to a fundamental call to be a witness to the light of the world. No, Black Lives Matter is an important thing. But at the end of the day, that doesn't bring people to Jesus. Jesus brings people to Jesus. Right? Uh, starvation is important. Right? People starving is important. But I, I can give meals all day long, but that doesn't mean that they're going to come to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I need to actually say something as well as relieve the poor and, and, the, and, and those who are starving. Whatever your issue is, whatever the social issue that is on your heart all the time, you are called to a f- fundamentally to be a witness in the light of the world. So use those ways. You got a heart for the poor? Go, do that. Relieve that. If you have a, have, a, have a heart for racial reconciliation, please go do that. But remind them that they're made in the image of God and that they need Jesus. 
Whatever that issue is, stand up for justice. Stand up for the things that God stands up, but point to the one who is the light of the world and will one day come and make everything right again. I praise God when, I praise God all the time that someone's salvation isn't dependent upon my witness. My witness comes out of a love and a desire of the one who saved me and a desire for other people to know the Jesus that I know. God uses that witness to call people to himself. You know what? We are disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ, are we not? God has sent us, God has sent you into this world to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. Let us continue to praise him.